All right, all right, we are live. What did you think of that one there, Joe? I like it. You've been, <laughs> you've been definitely been putting thought and effort into these intros. Uh, I've been trying. I've been trying. That was one of the things that I thought, okay, I, I want to do something kind of bigger, better, and badder than the, the previous one type of thing. And so I figured I was going to throw that one up there. Uh, I definitely liked the intro music that went with it. So pretty happy with that. Guys, welcome to the show. Um, <clears throat> I want to start this off. I mentioned something uh, backstage to Joe. And I wanted it to be a surprise for him, and I want his input. But now that Joe is officially part of the show, and he is, uh, <laughs> oh, Bull Rush here doing his part. We, we can get into that too. But anyway, uh, my, my thoughts is I would like to rename the show something oh, about both of us. It's not just about, you know, not that I'm not getting rid of the Salt Lake sit down. I'm still going to keep that and I may do one offs with, you know, other people if you're not available, that type of thing. Or if I want to do my little ranting monologues. No, but no, I'm no, no. If it's me, it's me. If anything else, you're just cheating. <laughs> but because of that, I am thinking that the show needs a new name because I want it to represent both of us, not just where I started. And so I want to throw it out there to you, Joe, and to the guys in the chat. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of names and I've got a couple that I'm not going to mention right now because they just literally popped up to me like maybe an hour ago. But And, and Joe and I will have more discussions privately as well. But I want, Joe, I want your thoughts on it, what, what you think we should call this thing. And also, if the chat holes or anyone in the replay, if you catch this later and you think you've got a good name, something that is representative of the both of us, of both me and Joe. But I would like this show to be about us, not just me and, hey, well, Joe's my co-host type of thing. It, this is a joint venture here. So that's my little surprise, Joe, is I want to I wanna rename the show. I want to I call it something else entirely. Well, that, that's awesome. You know, Bull Rush, you can fuck off, really. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I'd, as soon as you said that, I knew something like that was going to come up. Yeah. Okay. Two aging assholes. <laughs> Too fucking easy. Yeah, yeah. It, cheap shots from the peanut gallery, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, it, if it was anything less, I wouldn't feel loved and want it. Exactly. Exactly. But that's that's kind of the most recent thing for me besides creating the, the intro that I just played. Is well, I thought we need to call this something else. Let's hear it. What do you have in mind? What's your ideas? Uh, I, like I said, I want it to be something that represents the both of us. And so some ideas, not that they're set in stone because I literally just kind of came up with them. But one of them would be like when the South met the West or the West met the South, but it's too long. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's a fucking mouthful to say. So uh, it needs that's to be... Yeah, so it needs to be shortened up. Maybe it's like something like South by Southwest. I don't know. But I want it to be, and I, and I don't want something as simple as the the Rob and Joe show or the Rob, or the Joe and Rob show. It's like, no, it, it needs to have a little something more than that. But I want it to be representative of both of us. And, and while Grumpy Old Men is a good one. Steel <laughs> Magnolias. Yeah. <laughs> the war of the roses two assholes <laughs> hey what about this proud masculine hour featuring rob says oh there we go that's a yeah. mouthful too <laughs> uh, there we go bald men blind you with facts and other things <laughs> A lot of hits today. I'm glad. Oh, oh God. Here we go. <laughs> Cue Cue balls, balls United. United. Go ahead. <laughs> Rub <Rurban> Stimpy. 
Oh, God. I knew you assholes would do this, but I expected it. So get it out of your system, guys. Come on. Get them all out there. Get the bald shit out there. Get the grumpy old men shit out there. Get it out of your fucking system. And then I want you guys to, like, get serious and think about, like, what would be a good representative name of what Joe and I are doing here. So. I mean, have we done enough to have a, a, a theme like that? Like, Absolutely, because the theme's all-encompassing. It, it's not just a particular subject. It's, it's us two guys, you know? I mean, we, we could even go as something as simple as two bald guys and a microphone. <laughs> two bald guys and a microphone. <laughs> it, it actually isn't it, it's really not you know but that's that's kind of the idea that i want to do because i want it to represent both of us because we both we both have a say in this we both have a stake in this we both have a share in this if you will so that's kind of my thing oh god michael <laughs> the bald alphas <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> and Bullrush has probably seen it on Pornhub. <laughs> probably, I would imagine it's too much he hasn't seen. No, for for a younger guy, Bullrush has seen a lot. There's no doubt he's he's seen at least as much as I have, and then some. And wow. so I give him some credit there. Well, I mean, there's some things he hasn't seen that I have, but he's probably seen just as much, if not a few more things than I have. So, guys, yeah, it is. It's a lot of fucking vision. The two bald visionaries. <laughs> red in the head. Red in the head. Oh, red on the noodle like a dick on a poodle. That's right. <laughs> So, Joe, what's been going on with you lately since I last talked to you? Uh, a few things in transition. You know, we talked a little bit about that before the show backstage. Mm -hmm. Making some moves, kind of going into a semi-monk mode. Mm, okay. Yeah, interesting. Pretty awesome. I've gotten more done in three weeks than I think I have in months trying to uh, wrangle the fucking uh, cats uh, in my life. It's just all the shit that was going in so many different directions. So I just took a step back, you know, and putting things in perspective, working on some things that I've been neglecting. Um, obviously, you can see the backgrounds change a little bit mm -hmm. today, but next week it'll be different again. Making a little move and uh, getting back into my degree field now that that's picked what is, up. What is your degree? Applied Sciences, Process Technology. Jesus, okay. And it's uh so to, to, to sound a little non-cliched cliched but you're smart and you lift wow and smart lift and sexy yes you left the sexy out oh well there is that but you know we're, we're no homo here so <laughs> yeah i don't know about the real smart thing but yeah well, smart enough if you, if that's you have a degree and all that kind of stuff. That's mm -hmm. hard science type of stuff. That's not fluffy basket weaving and psychology. It's not a gynocentric interpretive dance, right? Cheese right. appreciation. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's geared toward working in oil field, oil refineries, uh, it's whatever you know. No, that's that's way cool. That, that's what I mean. Is it? Never, guys, never judge a book by its cover. You don't know what someone's situation is just based on their looks or their appearance or maybe how they sound. Because you'll be surprised every time when you find out that, oh, wow, they have a, a degree in fucking oil engineering or they have something going on. That's one thing that I know that I always, especially when I was younger, I would surprise a lot of people with was the fact that when they look at me, they think, oh, you know, your most of your life experience probably comes from the street. And, and they wouldn't be incorrect, but then they find out I also have a degree myself. I have a degree. No shit. And From what? Psychology, believe it or not. <laughs> no, I actually do believe it. Yeah, I have a degree in psychology. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. Oh, I, never, I never went on to pursue further because I didn't feel the need to 
continue that line of education simply for the fact that I knew I was never going to become a, like a therapist or a clinical lab psychiatrist, psychologist type of person. Mm. And so I studied it because one, it was easy Two, it was interesting to me, even though I knew I would never use it in, in as a way to make income. I would never get a job from it because my, my take on therapy is very unconventional even today. And a lot of people would be like, wow, you're, you're fucking harsh. And it's like, yeah, I am. But I promise you, if you do what I tell you to do, your life will get better. But most people don't want to do that type of stuff. And so that's why I never pursued it as a, as a, as a career option. I even knew back in the nineties that it's like, yeah, people, people don't want to hear what I would have to say in that area. And so I would be very unpopular when it comes to that, even though I know my success rate, if you will, would actually be fairly high, but that's the thing, you know, uh, I'm educated as well, book smart, as well as the knowledge I've learned from the hard knocks of life. And it always surprises people when they're like, holy shit, you're fucking smart. And it's like, yeah, just because I ride a motorcycle and used to belong to a motorcycle club doesn't mean that I have shit between my ears. You know? And it's the same for you. And it's most people that I've encountered. Uh, a lot of the people in the motorcycle community are actually very articulate, very intelligent. Some of them have uh, very high levels of education, uh, both from the street and also the academic setting. Um, there were guys I knew that had PhDs and rode Harleys and they were tatted up and big old beards and long hair and man, they could drink and fight and fuck with the best of them. But these guys were smart individuals. So that's it. So never judge a book guys. You, you don't know what you're getting and what you're missing out on that I'll say. Yeah. And I think I'll give you for instance, okay. um, like these guys I do jujitsu with get this little nerdy guy. A, a lot of them, like these guys don't have a lot of muscle tone. Mm -hmm. Very unassuming. Like if you'd bump into these guys and it's like, they don't really dress nice or look intimidating in any kind of way. Like if you would bump into these guys on the street, you would feel no threat whatsoever. Matter yeah, of fact, you would probably think, think twice about them. You would think you could beat their ass and just unassuming. And I went in the first night and, uh, this little guy, I'm not going to say his name. Not that you'd ever be able to pick him up. Well, go ahead. His name's Mario. How many fucking Marios is there on this planet? There's a lot of Marios. So you won't be able to pick him up. And a um, little Hispanic guy comes up to like my chin, a little belly, no muscle tone whatsoever. He's an, an anesthesiologist. So he's got these little soft girl hands, wears glasses, just nerdy looking. And uh, I remember thinking, Shh not being a tough guy dick or anything just thinking you know i'll i'll go easy on this guy you know yeah, I'll I'll take it easy. i don't want to hurt him <laughs> dude the shit he did to me in a matter of 10 or 15 seconds is just and then i really started trying and was getting nowhere and he was, <laughs> he was effortlessly like submitting me handling me like humbling experience and uh yeah there's a lot of people i've come across people on job sites uh, working in the field before in the oil refinery is it's really it's a diverse and of course they have the uh they got to include women and shit to be oh, able to yeah. get men but be, beyond that it's people from other countries a lot of africans um people from france russia canada is that even really another country though uh canada and they also have these contractors that come in that have uh, become a regular part of your operation whether it's a scaffold builders, you know, guys who do the inspections for the, uh, EPA emissions inspections and stuff. You have to keep up with this shit constantly. And, you know, like some of these guys would blow your mind, blow your mind. I've worked with guys who were uh, worked on, or uh, shit, I forgot the name of the title in a Navy they were on nuclear submarines. It's like guys are like literally rocket scientists and shit. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Yeah. And they walk around like all disheveled, you know, sloppy. And but I mean, they could look at something like we started messing around and uh, with these formulas 
and these guys can literally like they'll write it on the whiteboard we have now. So we started testing this one guy because he said it, he's like off the charts, IQ, just super fucking intelligent. And you can kind of tell because he got in his own way with everything. Terrible with women. And this guy could do these equations and these formulas that were like lines and lines long, like within seconds. Yeah. And we'd have to put them on the computer to verify the answers. And he would just pop, pop, pop. I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, you know, so you're right. Don't judge a book by its cover. And also you could apply the same principle to women. Am I right? Yes. Yes, you can continue. <laughs> Is she really that sweet and innocent? Come on. They're like never it. that sweet and innocent. That is our, that is us fucking with ourselves. Yeah. And so, would, and I've done this in the past. I don't do it anymore. But you see the sweet, innocent, you know, girl next door, persona, and you try to come at her differently. You know, you try to approach her differently. Well, guess what, buddy? You just lost. You lost. She is no different. She wants to be treated with the same, I don't know what you call it, no different than if you are going with the, uh, like the one you know is going to be, oh, she is not Bull Rush. Believe me, she's not. <laughs> None of them are. I, I've, no. never, I've never met a truly sweet and innocent girl. It's either them putting on a facade or in most cases, it's not them putting on the facade. It's me putting on the facade on them. Yeah. Projecting. Yep. And so in, in the beginning of uh, when I first heard that years ago, it's like I maybe understood it only because of my past experiences with girls that I thought were like come from the nice home, the mom and dad, mom stayed home, sweet lady. And, you know, we'd be upstairs in a room watching a movie and she's fucking gagging on my dick. You know what I mean? Yep. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. Something ain't lining up. Uh, you know, I thought she fucking did made A's and, you know, went to home economics and, you know, baked cookies and shit. Um, oh, and she did. She did do all of that. And she could suck a mean dick, too. In addition to cookies. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so I had to kind of go back on that. And until when I truly internalized that, that none of them, they're all open to that. Like, that's it's pretty liberating and you get a lot further along. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and I liken it to when I, and I know I've, I've mentioned this in either prior shows that we've done, or I know I've mentioned it with other people that the only time the girl's going to surprise you or disappoint you is when you're the one that sets up the expectations like if you want her to be as pure as the driven snow and she's the sun hat goddess and, and she's reformed and all that bullshit that you see guys talking about on the internet, she will show you that because mm -hmm. that's what you want and she does not want to be judged by you. And so that's what she'll show you. But is that who she is? That's usually where you're going to run into a bit of cognitive dissonance on your part as well as her. Because she's going to be whatever she is. It's just a matter of what does she show you? Well, she's going to take her cues from you. And if you're the, uh, I only date virgins and, and you know, the, the, the good Christian stay-at-home mom type, she will show you that because she wants to be with you. She will bury and repress and hide her past and her nature from you. She'll express it with other people in other places, mm -hmm. but she will show you what you expect. And then when reality collides with your fantasy is usually when most guys get a good wake up call that they're like, oh, my God, my wife is a whore. And it's like, mm -hmm. dude, she always was. Always was. Nothing wrong with that. But you're the one who refused to see it you're the one who choose to judge it where if you had been honest with her and honest with yourself that i mean if you don't like it you don't like it but it's a it's a reality that you have to face that we're all sexual creatures we're all gonna do what someone else would consider depraved and perverted and whatever else everyone has their thing and when you can accept that 
and not judge them for it, that's when they'll really open up to you and show you like everything. And you get to be the one to enjoy what it is that that's their thing, whatever. Exactly. And you were saying, you know, that's your, your fault for perceiving or judging. Uh, Oh no, not your fault, but that's what you were doing with projecting that. And I say you weren't allowing that to be because that's a part of it. And if she, if you do make yourself available to be that one, you get to enjoy the sun hat goddess, the lady in public, the, you know, the professional, wherever she does and Mm -hmm. friends. Then when you get home, you get to enjoy the whore too. Yep. You get the nasty little slut. Yep. And that's, that's a well-rounded fucking arrangement if you ask me. And, but you know, on behalf of the guys, uh, on behalf of the guys that have themselves under this illusion that she is not the nasty little slut and made the mistake of telling her, judging, you know, other women with that personality to make her feel like, okay, well, I can't tell this guy that, and you know, I can't let him fuck me in my ass, well, you know, while he's got my hand tied behind my back. Can't we do that with him? Um, it's not their fault. Like, not completely. No. Think about what you brought up, you know, supposed to have, supposed to believe about these women. Sugar, spice, everything nice, they're innocent. You got to treat them like this. It's all lies. So they don't know any better. They're just going with the fucking script of what's been, uh, they've been indoctrinated into thinking that this is what women are, this is what they like. And deep down, there's a primal fucking urge to do all that shit to her because that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what she wants. That's what you want. And that's, uh, and when it's all said and done, it's a benefit for everybody. Now, obviously you don't want it to be your whore in the bedroom. And then on Tuesday night, fucking Tyrone's whore. And then Wednesday night, Connor's whore. Not that she's all yours. That's the, that's the reward. That's the payoff. In my opinion. No, I would agree with you there. You know, that's, uh, where I grew up in Salt Lake, where this is a, a, an LDS or Latter-day Saint or a Mormon culture, they, they're no different probably than really any other major religion that's in any other area. No. But they have, they have their own outtake on how things ought to be and how men should act and be and how women should act and be. And I grew up with that. And it wasn't, you know, I, I got my lesson in reality, I guess, fairly early on. It was in my, my very late teens, early 20s that I got that lesson real quick that the way the church talks about it and then the reality of what is out there were completely different. And, you know, it just happened to be that the reality worked in my favor, That it's like, oh, well, well, shit, this is, I like this compared to what the church was saying it should be, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's funny when I run into guys in particular that are still pretty brainwashed from a religious standpoint, that they're still buying what their, their church is telling them that, um, they find out that they're women. Well, they are, they're, they're, they're sexual beings, you know, and to, to watch their eyes open up in shock and disbelief. And I've always told guys, religious girls are some of my favorites mm. because they are the most repressed women you'll ever encounter, which means they're going to either do whatever it is you want to do, and they're going to do it with gusto, or they've already done it. They've just hid it from everyone else. And all they're looking for is a like-minded individual that will do all of those fantasies and depraved acts and and perversities whatever you want to label it that that it's the religious girls that suck the best dick it's the religious girls that will let you put it in their ass it's the religious girls who will let you tie them up and and whip them senseless and do all sorts of things and then they'll get up and go to church on sunday and sit in the pew and have the book of Psalms opened to whatever chapter verse, and they'll sing along with the choir. And you would never know unless you knew, but you would never know on the outside that that good little girl at church, you know, she's fidgeting in her chair because her ass is chapped from the belt marks. Mm. You know, that's, that's been my experience that kind of going back to the, the judging the book by its cover. 
Um, I've met women that are fairly heavily tattooed and multicolored hair. They may or may not be SJWs. Some were, some are not. They're just kind of punk is the way I'll describe it. They're into music, all that. But on the outside, they look like this rebel. And you Uh think, oh, they're going to do all this crazy wild shit. And they're the ones, they're not necessarily prudes, but they're the ones that have had the least experience when it comes to different sexual acts. Where it's the good little librarian looking LDS girl that she's been tied up, whipped and hung from her heels and, and you name it, that girl's done it all. Where the punk looking girl that everyone just assumes is the slut She's actually ho hum. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you you really haven't done all these things. Uh, the, the little girl, you know, Molly, that's sitting over there, and you know, doesn't even have her ears pierced, <laughs> let alone tattoos or anything else. That's the girl that likes to be suspended. That's the girl that likes to be mummified. That's the girl that will suck three dicks at a time if you let her. You know, that's that's been more my experience than not is, again, going off of that whole looks things that the wilder ones, not always, but in more cases than not, the wilder looking ones are not nearly as wild as I thought they would be or hoped they were going to be. So I've had. Yeah, you're right. I've had both of that, both of those experiences with uh, Molly, the girl next door. And yeah, slut LARPers. You think you're about to have a good time and it's missionary. They're ba- well, it's missionary. And, and if that, it, it, sometimes it's cock tease altogether that you don't even, you know, they, they put themselves out there as, you know, I suck a mean dick, but in reality, they don't even do that. No. You know, it, it's all show, basically. It's all show and no payoff. And that's, that's why I've always enjoyed when some guy in in my past would bring up the religious girls oh you know katie down the street she she what she's not going to be any fun she's a good little church going girl and i'm like that's just mm. the girl i want to meet yeah yes, i want to meet not- katie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a uh this was way back in the day i think i was 18 and i managed this coffee shop and this uh, little cutie started coming in there, very conservative looking. She was a kindergarten teacher at a uh, little Christian school. She was a Mormon. And we just got to talking one day and we started dating. And I was reluctant to put the moves on her. Like, she, I didn't know what she was doing back then. Like, giving me all the like, okay, right here, you know, get it. It's all yours. Then we'd gone on a bunch of dates and we, you know, we'd get home, we'd make out. I'm like, all right. And I'm thinking, good Mormon girl, parents, she doesn't curse. And uh, so I kept putting it off, putting it off. One night, and this is how it really went down. I was leaving a house. It was late at night. And uh, I go to leave, and my car had a flat tire. It was like midnight. Mm-hmm. I was like, I really don't fucking feel like doing this. I'm tired. So I go back, knock on the door. She had already gotten in her panties and this little half shirt. Ah. <sighs> And I said, look, I got a flat. I don't, let me just stay here. And she's like, yeah, no problem. And we go back upstairs and I get in my underwear. We get in the bed and she throws a leg over me and it was all downhill from there. I didn't see that coming from this girl. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, this is the girl you had to at least be engaged to to suck her titties. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you and, have to go out at least two dozen times before you can even get to second base. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Finally, like three hours later, she's just, she's like, it's about fucking time. She says, it's about time. So what do you mean? She said, I've been all over you for like the last four weeks and you've done nothing. Like she said, I was starting to think you were gay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, really? She said, yeah. Like I was offering myself up to you. Like, I'm like, well, why didn't you just say something? She goes, well, girls don't say stuff. Like you're supposed I... to know you're supposed to pick up on that shit. And mm-hmm. So that forever changed my perspective on the religious girls. Yep. yep. I, I, I had something similar like that happen to me here. Um, there was a time, this was probably, well, shit, it's probably been about, let's see, it was in 05. 
So that's when I had an experience that was like, oh, and, and that experience was the sometimes girls just want to fuck. They don't necessarily want to go out and go on three dates or whatever. They just want to fuck. Right. And I met a girl, met her online. And this was, I had met her on MySpace. So we're going back in the day here. That's way back. Yep. But I've always had better success when it comes to online, when it's the, it's not the dating apps or the dating sites. It's the more traditional social media, like Twitter, like Facebook, like mm -hmm. MySpace. I've always had more success with those type of mediums. So met this gal, I'm going to call her, I'll call her Dana. So met Dana. She lived about 45 minutes away from me and we get to, you know, texting and it turned into a, a quick phone call and I invited her over. And this was before I really fully understood that sometimes women just want to fuck. Okay. So I invite her over. She brings a, a bottle of, I don't even remember now, it was some whiskey she was drinking. And I had some beer and I had vodka. And so we're sitting around and we're just kind of talking, getting to know each other because this was the first time we had physically met. Okay. We'd swapped pictures and whatnot. So I knew when she knocked on my door, I knew it was her. Okay. But otherwise, this was our first meeting. She comes in, we talk, we're having a couple of drinks to kind of, you know, chill the vibe type of thing, keep things cool. And at one point, I was showing her something on my computer and she puts her hand on my leg and kind of strokes it a little bit. And I, I was at least self-aware enough to go, oh. So I kind of leaned over and start kissing her. Well, the next thing you know, we're sitting on the couch and we're making out. Well, then I kind of pulled back to catch some air and, and I'm kind of thinking, it's not going to go much further than this. Okay, N not when we had just met. Mm -hmm. And she kind of sits back too. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we're both kind of like, Ooh, that was intense. And I look over at her and she starts stripping. Nice. And right then and there, uh, that's where I was like, oh shit, it's on, you know? And so immediately it's not, hey, what are you doing or anything? It's fuck, get naked. We're, we're doing this. And that was the, the first time that I had ever had that where, oh shit, not only are we doing this, but we're fucking doing this. Mm -hmm. And that was, like I said, back in 05. So about, what, 15 years ago? Something like that, 15, 16 years ago. It was not long after I had bought my house. And she was a one-night stand, because I never saw her after that. But uh, it was a lot of fun. And it was one of those kind of like you had your moment of clarity with the religious girls. This was my wake-up moment to... I don't need to take them out on fancy dates. I don't need to take them out even multiple times. Sometimes they just want to fuck. The right place at the right time. The right guy at the right place at the right time. Yep. And Sometimes that was. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. And, well, and that's been my experience in more cases than not. It's not that I consider myself overly good looking or that my game is that good or that sharp. It's literally, I, I liken a lot of my success to being the right guy at the right place at the right time and just being able to roll with it that, oh, oh, she's, she's interested. She's down. Fuck it all. Yeah. I'm going to keep my mouth shut and here we go. Well, they, there's a lot of guys that are in the right place, right time, right guy. They just don't know what's going on. Yeah, they don't know exactly. that. Yep. There's a lack of awareness. You have the awareness. I have the awareness. You know, guys we know have the awareness to know. Okay. That's so. Going back to the whole beginning, you know, you're not judging a book by its cover. That's a, that's a thing. That's a real thing. Like being that right guy, but you got to know that that is, and there's so many men, I'm telling you, there's a lot of men who don't know how often women really do that. Well, and not only do they, not only is it that they don't know, I think in some cases, like when I was younger, it wasn't <laughs> that I didn't necessarily know it's, I didn't want to believe it. Oh, okay. and I went I, through that for a long time. And I think that's a lot of guys too, is that it's not that they don't see the signals or the signs. It's they assume they, they see it and on a, on a visceral gut level, on, an, on a cellular level, they know. Mm -hmm. But 
they, 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 it's, this is where they step on their own dick or they sabotage it because, you know, call it a, a self-esteem issue, whatever you want. But they're like, oh, she couldn't possibly be interested in me. And so that's, that's when they fuck it up or they don't see it because in their world, that is not possible. Okay. Here, here's another example. Um, this happened back in like, I think it was in 2002. I went out with a group of friends. Uh, we went to a place called Area 51. It's the, it's the, it's Salt Lake's goth scene is what it is. And once a month, every month, they have what is called the goth ball. Okay. And it's, it's like a, that's where all the goths in all of their leather and PVC and all the BDSM crowd, everybody fucking shows up. Okay. It's, but they only do it once a month, like on a Saturday. Well, I went out to this goth ball with all of these these friends, these people. Some of them I knew. Some of them I had just, that was the first night I had met them. Okay. Well, there was a gal that was in this group of friends. So she was someone that I had been made acquainted to because she was friends with some of these other people. And she had a fucking nickname. I shit you not. She went by the nickname Spider. Okay. And she was a goth chick, the, the long black hair, the makeup, black fucking fingernails, black lipstick, black attire. Okay. Well, I've always had a little bit of a fetish for the goth thing. Well, we all go out. And I remember when I first saw her, when I was introduced, because we started off at this guy's apartment, I'm going to call him Mike. So I go over to Mike's place and he introduces me to Spider and everybody else that was there. There was about a dozen people. And I'm definitely the oldest one in the crowd. I've got everyone there beat by at least five to ten years. Okay, Because I was like in my early 30s, late 20s at the time. I think I was about 30, 31. This whole crowd was early 20s, like 21, 22, 23. So anyway, we go to the, we go to the ball and I'm hanging out looking around, watching people and listening to the music and watching people get whipped and being doing the suspension thing where they've got the hooks in their body and shit and they're lifting them up off the ground, all that kind of stuff. Well, then I see Spider because most of the group stayed in the group. They were kind of all dancing together over in a section. Well, I see her and, and so she's somewhat familiar to me. So I definitely don't feel awkward walking up to her and talking to her. And so I do. And we start to dance and I kind of start moving in on her while she starts backing away. And then it became like a science experiment that it's like, okay, she's not ready for me to do this. So I stop. She stops. We just kind of dance near each other. And then I would start moving in again and she'd start backing away. So I'd stop. Well, then I thought I'm going to try something different. So now instead of moving in, I start backing away from her and she starts to follow. Okay, so now I'm starting to draw her in. Well, over about the course of three songs, so about maybe 15 minutes, went from, you know, oh, hey, wow, this is a pretty cool outfit, you know, stuff going on here tonight. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, that kind of bullshit, to we were dancing far enough apart that you couldn't even touch each other, to now I've got my leg between hers, my arm around her waist, and she is right nose to nose with me. And I start making out with her. Okay. Well, when this happened, it was all on the dance floor in front of everyone that was there, in front of Mike and all of these other people. Well, when we started leaving the bar that night, Mike comes up to me and he's like, man, I can't believe it. And I'm like, believe what? He's like, what you did. And I'm like, what do you mean what I did? And he's like, oh man, if I have to explain it to you. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm just fucking with you. I know what you're saying. And I said, Mike, in my world, that type of shit is possible. And it's not only possible, it's normal. Going up and literally meeting a girl and 15 minutes later start making out with her, that in my world is like getting up and the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. That's normal. But before, you know, years and years back, that to me wasn't an option. It wasn't possible. And so... It never happened. And I think that's what that's what I'm kind of getting back to when I say that some guys aren't aware, but then others refuse to see is that in their world, you know, that's not possible 
Or as like Luke Skywalker said to Yoda when Yoda pulled the X-Wing fighter out of the swamp, he says, I don't believe it. And Yoda said, that's why you fail. Mm. I think it's the same thing. I think it's some guys, it's, yeah, they're just genuinely unaware. They don't have enough social acuity. They haven't socialized enough. But then for other guys, they they see it because they see other people doing it. But in their world, for whatever reason, that's not possible. And either way, you're right. You know, you're, you're, yep, oh, it's, you're right. It's not possible in your world. It'll never happen in your world until you decide to say, yeah, that's possible. And not only is it possible, it's probable. And not only is it probable, but it's normal. And then when you can internalize that, that's when making out with girls in bars that you've met them one time and you met them five minutes ago, that that's normal. That's when it's normal that you can invite girls over to your house on a first date, so to speak, or a first meeting. And you can fuck them that same night because that is normal. Mm-hmm. So how did um, I got to tell you, when I first started really understanding this shit, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a shock. Yes. Uh, I went for a period of I don't want to know anymore. And I don't know, I think probably just because it was so embedded that, and then I had to come to terms with, fuck, I've been wrong all this time. It was a lie. Yep. And even though, uh, like, I'll give you a for instance, when I read the rational mail and I'm going through it, I'm like, God damn it. I knew it. I knew it. You know, mm-hmm. things you were coming across like motherfucker. I was right all along. I knew something. And, uh, you're having these aha moments and all the shit that you really, I think even from a young man, like a adolescent boy, like just these instinctual uh, premonitions for lack of a better word. I don't know what to call it. You just, these things that are embedded in your DNA that you know that you think were true. And all these years later, you find out. And that had, a, it was a, I was jaded for a long time. I still get jaded sometimes because I think, God, that's so, that's so disappointing. At times I start thinking like that. <laughs> like, fuck. And then, how, so how does it affect you now? Like, say, with somebody you wind up really liking with a head full of that, like, and you got to, and you know, like, okay, she's seen a ton of dicks. She's done all these fucking, you know, unspeakable things, I'm sure. Like, and you know that. And you have to kind of like, okay, well, here's what it is. Here it is. It's my turn now. Well, um, there's a couple things I can, the way I, I guess I take all of it. Uh, to go back to where you mentioned, like, finding the rational male and going, uh, you know, fuck it, I knew it, you know, I, that type of thing. When I first read Rational Male, that to me was very, instead of getting, like, jaded or something like that, for me, it was very liberating because it was basically validating me saying, dude, you're not crazy. Because mm-hmm. I used to say a lot of the things that is is what he wrote about. I would talk about way before I'd ever heard of it, and everybody would look at me and be like, "Dude, you're fucking crazy!" You know, you're a nut job. And after you hear that long enough, you start to believe that. And so I would just shut up and not talk about it because I, you know, I knew people would look at me weird and say I was crazy. And then it's like, God, maybe I am. You know, maybe I am fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Then to read it and realize, oh my God, I, it was a tremendous relief for me to realize, fuck, you're not crazy. You know, you're, you're, you're not wrong. Well, how could you not feel crazy and you're like the fucking needle in a haystack? Yeah, I mean, there's that, but I've always been an oddball that way of, of being, I guess, the, the needle in a haystack compared to most people. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and so that part... That I've 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 always been kind of used to that, but it was the idea that you know I could express certain ideas and most people be like, oh yeah, I get that, or yep, yeah, yeah, I you know you're right. But then when I'd start talking about men and women, everybody would be like, dude, you're fucking crazy. Well, that's what I mean. So yeah, you being the outlier, you st- and this is what I did. I started questioning myself, like, am I wrong? Yeah, oh yeah, that's am I fucking I- crazy. Am I crazy? Yeah. And so it was a relief to me reading Rolo's stuff to realize I'm not fucking crazy. And so that was a relief. And then to go to your part where you're like, how do you cope or deal with the fact that, you know, she's seen a ton of dick and all of those things? Well, there's a couple things. One, I usually assume even worse Mm -hmm. that, oh, she's, 
you name the most depraved act that that you can think of, the most repulsive thing, the most defiling, vile thing. She's done that at least 12 to 15 times in the last week. Mm. Is that how I look at it? And then when I bring that, I don't say that to her, but that's kind of my expectation, I guess, is that she's just going to be all those things. Yeah. She ends up not being anywhere near as bad as I had envisioned. It's actually kind of like a surprise. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of a, a uplift, maybe? It is, actually. Because, I mean, a good example yeah. was over a year ago, I had dated a woman, my, my voodoo Wiccan priestess, that I call her Kitten, okay? And I assumed from her that because... She's actually about two years older than me. She's tatted up. She's in phenomenal shape. Girl works out, takes good care of herself, but she's, she's a basket case. Okay. She's got all kinds of chaos and issues in her life that, that I know for a, a like a long-term situation, there's no fucking way her and I would ever work. But short-term, we had a spark. There was definitely some animal magnetism, some chemistry there. Mm. And, and I had always wanted to fuck her and i and the fun and the time you know right guy right place right time happened and so i did well i assumed you know this woman has done everything under the sun and then some that she's she's gonna school me on some shit okay and come to find out i mean has she had sex of course the woman had been married a couple of times of course she had sex she has she has children so of course she's had sex she knows what she's doing, but she wasn't the whore master that I had envisioned her to be. Mm. I actually had a lot more experience when it came down to like BDSM and other things. I was the one that actually had way more experience than her. And she was the one when she was like, I don't really do this very often. Part of me was like, yeah, right. That's what they all say. Mm -hmm. But I realized in her case when I kind of set that skepticism aside, I realized she's not saying that to like make herself look better. She's not doing that as a cover. She's being honest with me that she's not the whore master that I had thought she was, that she actually had been fairly mundane in her sex life. And it was, she learned a lot of things more from me than I learned from her when it came to sexual activity. And so that was kind of a, a shock because I expected far worse, far more depraved, far more that, you know, that it's like, oh yeah, she's going to be all these things. And turns out it's like, oh wow, you really haven't done this stuff, have you? Because you really don't know what the fuck you're doing right now. Because that's, that's kind of how I figured it out is I would start explaining what I wanted to her and she'd start doing it. And it's like, yeah, not like that. No. Yeah, you don't know what the hell you're doing, <laughs> you know? But I realized that, wow, her her level of depravity isn't nearly as deep as I thought it was, and it doesn't even run as deep as mine does. <sighs> and and so it was kind of refreshing and a relief to be like, oh, wow, you know, she's not this demented, tortured soul that we just assume that all women are so that when you encounter it, you're not getting a cold shock of water to the face. Right. anything it was a warm relief that it's like holy shit she actually has been pretty fucking choosy and picky throughout her life and hasn't done a ton of shit kind of like a warm wet wipe getting that final wipe in your ass with nice and cozy and big relief not a cold shock <laughs> right and and so i always assumed the worst that you know, she's she's fucked the football team and she's gagged on a gallon of jizz and and she's been fucked in every hole imaginable and maybe even has a couple artificial holes just for, you know, future fun. I just assume kind of that. And trust me, my my imagination is far worse than what I've actually encountered, because the, the surprise for me is, oh, wow, you really haven't done these things. Or you've done it once and you didn't know what you were doing. Or in some cases, they didn't really like it. But they're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did that. And you know what? That's just not me. I uh, That's that's my approach. Like, I just put it way up here. Yeah. Like, just let's go ahead and get it out the way. Let's just get those fucking. And that's it. It's pretty much downhill from there. Yes, I have stopped seeing women because they were too vanilla. Yes. I absolutely have. 
I'm at a point where I've experienced enough sexually with women, and I'm a little fucked up too. Oh, so, yeah. uh, like basic, I, like I appreciate the, uh, I love some of the things that come with Vanilla Girls. Yeah. Like they're very sweet. And, you know, I, I don't know if that um, sometimes even being the fucking stud freak, you may not bring that out in every single woman. And no. if a woman wants to pin you as a, a boyfriend material or somebody long-term, and she may not want to open that with you. I don't know. Sometimes that desire is not there, you know, yeah. as much of a blow to the ego as it can be. Not no. every woman has that for you. That's just the way it is. Not everyone's like that. But, no, I need kink, a little kink, and submission. I need uh, uh, vanilla. just doesn't do anything. We, you and I have talked about this, haven't oh, we? Yeah. You and I talked about it privately. Yeah, like that good old fucking good girl shit just doesn't fly. Not for me, anyway. I can't. I do, like I said, there are aspects I like about the, you know, less drama. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you give me mine fucking fresh with a basket full of daddy issues and nasty fucking thoughts. Send her over. <laughs> well, and, and that's kind of how I look at it, too, is you've. Because I've I've dated women that were too vanilla, and and really what it just kind of came down to for me was I just got bored. Bored, yeah. That's simply got, you know, and to be honest, they got bored too. You know, there there were things that I could have done to try and liven it up or spice it up, and and a couple times I tried and got less than full enthusiasm from them. And that's what I mean. Do you really want to have to go through the whole? I remember younger dating girls who had little to no zero uh, sexual experience. Mm -hmm. And it's like a process of gradually building them up to, you know, can I please suck your cock daddy and stuff like that. Whores aren't born, they're made. They really are. Yeah. So, and at this point, I'm like, do I really feel like having to do the whole fucking training thing? Right. And no, I get a fucking ready-made slut-ish. Yeah, no, and I'm the same way because there's there's things that I've had women do for me that obviously they learned that, you know, by having that experience with another guy. That it's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I, I need, if I ever run into that guy, I need to buy him a beer. You know, <laughs> like, hey, thanks for uh, taking the time to teach her that because now I don't have to. Mm -hmm. She She may have been yours, but at least for the time being, she's mine. Like you say, it's just your turn, but. I get to enjoy the benefits of it while it is my turn. Yeah. Well, and then I do have this, uh, no, we're not going to get into that cause we're getting out of an hour and I have a ton of shit to do the rest of the day. <laughs> and I have a class tonight. I, I'm telling you, I got, I'm fucking got shit squirting on my ears that I have to get done that yeah. I haven't been doing. But the, um, the, the vanilla girls are good for the vanilla stuff. Yeah. Do I get bored? Yeah, can't do it for too long. But then, like, I don't know that I completely agree with a girl who's had a sexual past. And I'm talking about, like, high notch counts. And some people think over 10 is high. I said, you're fucking crazy if you think you meet a chick in her 30s and she's only fucked 10 people. Yeah, like, more likely than not, she's got a much higher count than that. Way higher, right? And I don't think that long term that these women are fucking... Uh, like beyond dateable. Like, I don't think that I've, I've, I know that there, that there's a, a sent sentiment out there in the space that, you know, yeah, they're, they're the broken women. They can't pair bond, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't buy that. And look, and I'm telling you, I've met women who've had pretty high notch counts and still have yet to experience a guy who really knows what to do with them. And a guy who knows how to bring certain shit out in it. You know, there, there is that. And I think that's a lot more prominent than we like to think. Well, and I think to, to add to that, where I think you, you hear a lot of guys talking about, you know, women with high notch counts, they're broken, they can't pair bond. And I'm looking at that going, oh, you're projecting, not necessarily that you can't pair bond, but you found a girl that you wanted going back to the whole fantasy thing we were talking about sort of early in the show. Mm -hmm. And it's, you're just not that guy 
and maybe you tried and it just didn't work. Or maybe you yourself don't really know what it takes for that particular woman so that you could be that guy. So instead of going, gee, I just wasn't enough, you want to project it onto her and say, well, it's because she's had 40 guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at it going, no, you're just, you just haven't been the one guy. Because once you've been that one guy, it, it's that whole, you, you, it's, it's the alpha widow thing as Rolo calls it. Yeah. Rather, I, I don't know if I really like that term, but it's as good as any, I guess. But you you create such an impression for her that even if you guys break up, even if she breaks up with you, it doesn't matter. You're going to be remembered and you're going to be compared to with future guys. She's going to compare you, you know, other guys with you. Or if you're that guy or, you know, I've met women where I wasn't the guy, but I was being compared to the guy. Mm -hmm. And and it's just a reality that it's like sometimes you can overwrite that guy. You can be even more intense or more of whatever it is that she was looking for. And so you overwrite that guy. And then, yeah, she can pair bond with you, even if she's had 100 guys, because she was looking for whatever it was that you brought to the table. Okay. But then again, you can throw yourself at it completely and still not be that guy and that doesn't mean you're you know beta or that you suck it just means there was another guy that that pushed her buttons better is the only way i can describe it he he fit the mold better than than you could and so you just enjoy the experience and and, and enjoy it for the time you have and then you move on you know but don't don't try to get caught up in the whole well, you know, she's broken because she slept with a billion dudes type of thing. It's like, eh, that's more a sign of your insecurity in my book. Well, you tried to mold her and you couldn't, and so it must be her fault. I think there are cases where, yeah, she had a past, and because of she could have had fucking traumas, or the way she was brought up or something that led to that. I've done, you know, later in life realized, like, uh, you know, her self-worth was shit and that's why she did it and decided she needed to go fucking do a deep dive, do some work on herself. And, and it's different. I think, I think that's possible personally. Yeah. And, you know, I wish you would have never said that. Now I feel challenged. <laughs> uh, well, good luck on that challenge because, you know, that's one of the things when guys talk about borderline personality disorder, they throw it around like it's uh, as common as the cold, which it's it not. Is, it's not. And you believe me. It, well, and where it is a personality disorder, there's not a cure for that. No. You you can't you can you can control for it to a degree. You can <clears throat> manage it. But you can't fix it. You can't cure it. There is no medication. There's no procedure that will fix, replace, repair, or add. In a lot of cases, it's that something is missing. They were born that way and they will die that way. It's like antisocial personality and guys that the extreme spectrum is guys that go on to become serial killers. You can't cure them of being a serial killer. You can lock them up so that they can't go out and murder people, but you're not going to take the serial killer out of them. Well, Are you suggesting we lock up all BPD women? I'm only saying that I don't think you could ever legit make a BPD woman his bitch. That, what, if you get, what if you get better at manipulation and... You would have to go down the same road they are. You'd, uh, you'd basically have to be BPD yourself. Hey, I never said you wouldn't fuck yourself up in the process. I'm just saying it could be done. Uh, I'm sure it can be done. It's just like where I think the, the majority of serial killers are born that way and they just develop into it as they go along with all of their different life experiences. Can you train a person or get a person to practice to become a serial killer? Of course. Mm. You're going to damage everything about them to get them there, but can you do it? Yeah, I think you can. So I, I think it's possible, but yeah, you, is it worth the cost that it's going to – is it worth the price you're going to have to pay to get it is my question. If I get to prove bull rush wrong, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. If I just get to prove him wrong this one fucking time. Yes. 
It's worth it. <laughs> ah, well, there we go. I guess challenge accepted then. <laughs> Jesus, please don't wish that on me right now. <laughs> uh, I actually don't. I really don't. And if you're wishing it on yourself, all I can say is Godspeed, brother. Godspeed. Because, yeah, I've, that that is one of those things that can you do it? I think you can. Is the price of admission worth it? I don't believe that it is. And I think the damage you do to yourself would far out exceed out or exceed the the benefits of what you would get from it. Tell you what, Bull Rush, we'll make a little deal here. If I'm ever diagnosed with like stage four brain cancer and I know I got a couple weeks, I'm gonna do it. Just for you. <laughs> There's your reward. He'll buy you a case of Bud Ice, which he still hasn't given to me or Nick either. So don't hold your no. breath for that shit either. Well, then I'm not waiting around on him for my reward. <laughs> I'll just get victory. Uh, and, and that's the thing that I, I kind of look at, that it's like you can kind of do anything with anyone ultimately. Any, you know, to me, is it possible? Yeah. Is it probable? That's another story. And then the biggest one of all is, is it worth it? Right. You know, you have to decide for yourself if it's worth it or not. So, hey, uh, I think it was Bull Rush because I threw it up there. What do you think of this one? That's why you fail. I don't know. Is 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 it mean like that's where you fail because you didn't to learn, to learn the lesson or? You fail because you're a fucking bum. Like, what, what, what it can really go either way. I mean, that's the beauty of of the the name. That's why you fail. Is it could be you didn't do the work. You you were lazy. You were a bum, and so you know you're you're having pipe dream fantasies of little hot yoga pants, gym girl, but you're a fat, lazy, three hundred pound piece of shit that eats pizza on the couch and doesn't. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why you fail with hers because you're not doing the work. But the other side of it could be like what I was saying is it's you could be a good looking guy. You could be jacked and ripped and six foot plus and six figures and 600 horsepower. The Rich Cooper six trifecta that he mentioned a while back a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you can still fail because you don't believe it. Okay. Because I know guys in real life. Uh, I'm friends with one. He's over six foot. He he used to be really scrawny back in college. And then he decided to do something about that. And he started exercising like a fucking demon. And he got big. Like He's like your size, Joe. He's a big boy now. I'm not big. Well, you're bigger than me. And you're bigger than what this guy used to look like. I could show before and after pictures of this guy. Mm -hmm. And... And it's a night and day difference because he used to be this little scrawny beanpole and then he just got jacked. Okay. But his dating life never improved. Even though physically, you know, he did things with his hair, he started dressing better, he was wearing clothes that fit, put on cologne, took a shower, brushed his teeth, did all the shit that you're supposed to do, but yet he still and he had no problem talking to girls, like walking up and talking to girls. He had no fear. This guy had no fear, no hesitation. He'd walk up and talk to girls, but in his mind, he was still that scrawny, ugly dude. And so even when women would give him signs, give him indicators of interest and all the buzzwords you want to throw, he would not see them. And so the guy went years, almost a decade without any kind of dating, let alone sex. 10 years, no sex. Pretty much. Pretty close. No fucking way. Well, I, I, I get it. It's alien to me. Okay. But I know it wasn't because of the physical side. It's like, ah, the guy, you know, he's, he's healthy. He's a young guy. He's like I said, he's in fantastic shape. He's not a bad looking guy. I mean, he's not, you know, a tan. He's not Tom Cruise. Good looks type of thing, but he's not an ugly dude. He's, he's a, actually a very decently attractive man. I'd give him a solid six on the scale. And yet the guy had zero success with women. And it's not because he didn't talk to him. It's because he could not see the indicators of interest. Cause I would even point things out to him and be like, dude, she's, she's eyeballing you. Ah, oh, no, man, you're just seeing things that she's not looking at me, dude. She just put her arm on you, touched your shoulder. That's a, that's a sign of interest. You, you need, ah, no, she was just picking lint off my shirt. He would not see it, and that's why he failed. Well, it's 
put in a hat. This is that's why you fail. That's right. So. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up, guys. Uh, we both have shit to do. So, and this is actually a pretty good talking point. Uh, yeah. I still want to. Uh, uh, you and I need to still con- uh, continue the talk of what do we want to call this show. But That's Why You Fail is actually not a bad one. I sure. like that. Not at all. So I, I think that's a pretty good one. I know we'll want to preface it with this isn't necessarily like blame, like that's why you fail because you suck. It's not, it's not about that, but it is either you're not doing the work or you're not willing to see what is right in front of you. you know? It's because you don't believe it. No, I want it to be a, a discussion yeah. or whatever about solutions and understanding you fail. There's a reason you fail because you weren't doing what needed to be done and you can learn from it. Yep. You, yep. Make you, can, always, you can always turn it around. And um, improve on the other end of the failure. You know, failure is just another stepping stone to success. Yeah, um, it's just another lesson. So. Mm-hmm. But all right, guys, we're going to take off. So hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already, and we will catch you all on the next one. Peace.